Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Each episode is full of real-world information to help your homeschool family thrive. We are David and Leslie Nunnery, and we are really excited about this new season. For the last couple of years, we've been sending out what we call our Sunday night email every week with articles and devotionals that we've created to help families just like yours succeed. And this year, we're adding on to that. So if you're on our newsletter list, you're still going to get that Sunday night email every evening after church. But now, we're adding on by hosting our Tuesday podcast as a follow-up conversation to kind of go more in-depth on those things, flesh it out a little bit more, but it'll be the same exact topic. So, and then, then every year this, or every week this year, we're going to really focus on those things that help homeschool families thrive. And we promise that it's going to be real life, practical, and applicable information that will enable you to do all that God has called you to do. We pray that you'll join us every step of the way. So if you haven't signed up for our newsletter list yet, go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash newsletter to sign up now. That way you won't miss a thing. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast through whatever podcast provider you generally use. That will give you updates when our Tuesday discussions come out, as well as our Thursday interviews. We have some guests lined up for that show that will blow your mind, so you do not want to miss a single one. The Teach Them Diligently app is another great way to keep up with the podcast, where you can stream each episode straight through the app as you go about your day. But no matter how you choose to engage with us, we do hope you will. We pray for you every single day, and we look forward to joining you in your journey as we're all growing as parents, husbands, wives, and home educators. Now this week, David and I will be discussing thriving through subtraction, because sometimes you have to step back and remove some of the weights that are bearing down on you before you can really excel. Isn't that right, David? Yes, I think that uh, this is a good time to do this. Uh, we're doing it at the beginning of the uh the calendar, calendar year, yep, absolutely, and uh, people have resolutions. They have things they're trying to, you know, when when the calendar kind of rolls over, uh, it feels like a new beginning. Yeah, and uh, I think people are thinking about all kinds of things that they want to try to new that they've been trying to get to for years. I know that we have those kind of things at going to the gym. Well, and it's hiking. so fresh. The first of the year is so fresh. There's so much hope, and and especially I think this year as it's it's been a rough rough couple of years for most families or for a lot of families and and just the hope of actually getting things on track and staying on track is is a wonderful thing. Yes, and you're able to get to things that or you you start setting things up in order so that yep. you feel like you can actually get to things you've been meaning to get to um, and hopefully yeah. really refining your focus so that you are thinking about things in the right perspective. You will get your priorities in order, which we're going to talk about in another episode. You you really kind of focus in on the things that are going to move your family forward and achieve what God has called you to do. Yeah. And so whenever you have these new resolutions or you have these new things that you want to start, you will start adding things to your life. I think yeah. that is just the way things work. Um, uh, if you want to start going to the gym more, maybe you go out and you buy gym clothes. It's so much fun to have new gym uh, clothes. I know. You go shopping. Oh, new one of the tennis first, shoes. And you go tennis shoes. <laughs> you get weights. You get new planners. 
which I know is a weak point for you. I love them. Uh, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and so over time, it, you maybe you you these things start to add up, yeah. and you have the best intentions. Uh, I believe that most bookstores actually thrive on good intentions uh, because I can't tell you how many books I have that I have not read. And uh, I know our son, uh, he's uh, going into Bible and he's constantly going to a bookstore nearby that has stuff that they just, they have a free table and he just goes in there and he starts grabbing it. And he has the intention of reading it, but his bookshelves are getting filled up. And so I think that we're all like that. We have things that just start collecting. We have stuff and they all started with good intentions. Well, and before long, all of that stuff becomes actually a weight. It becomes counterproductive to what you are trying to do. Yes. Whether it be a planner that you've laid out so meticulously that there is no way on earth you're ever going to keep up with what you've started. I mean, yes. it's just not that I speak as one who's <laughs> ever done that, but I've heard of other people who have had that problem. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, or or you set your unrealistic expectations. Again, throwing one of our children in here, possibly the same one, although I won't note that for sure. Um, starts off, I'm going to go get up at five o'clock every morning and do this and this and this and this and this. And that isn't sustainable with a college schedule and a work schedule and all the things going on. So he may do that. He, I've given another hint, may do that for a couple of days and then it just becomes unsustainable. And so I think a lot of things that we put on ourselves seem really great and like a super idea, but it's totally unsustainable and it ends up really taking away from what we were trying to do in the first place. So I think that is a, a, that's how we're going to handle this is that we're going to talk about this thriving through subtraction and what do you actually subtract? And there's all kinds of things that you can look at and maybe uh, it's a great thing that you don't really, you shouldn't really change, shouldn't subtract. I mean, let's take um, your children, you right. Let's take your job. (laughs) Let's take your marriage. You know, maybe it's not so much that the marriage is bad or that the, uh, the relationship with the child is bad, but there's things that you need to change. And, or maybe it's a mindset that needs Mm -hmm. to change. It's not necessarily that the whole job is bad. It's your approach to the job that needs to change. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to talk about is, is this thriving through subtraction and changing the way you look at things. Yeah. Um, and first of all, I'm not real disciplined. And I think you know that. I think that uh, our family, I would not uh, term us an incredibly disciplined family. Um, but and when I think about discipline, uh, historically, I thought about a, a rigidity. You know, yeah. you're you have to have order. If you don't have order, you go completely crazy. And it's like order to have order, right? structure to have structure, plan to have plans. And I don't think those are bad things, but I wouldn't call us those kind of people. I mean, we're kind of, uh, I mean, it's wild west sometimes, right? Yes. Yes. Flexibility is king around here. But, but you, as we were talking before this, uh, before we started recording, you noted a kind of how you think of discipline and what you think discipline actually is, which I thought was really insightful because I think it, it opens up the, the term discipline so much beyond what you were just noting that where it seems like a very, very structured, very, very, we're going to do this and this and this and this and this in this order all the time. Yeah. And, and you kind of laid that out a little differently. So, I mean, discipline to me is moving forward 
in the calling that God has given you. And so what that basically sets discipline up as is it's kind of like the rails to a train. Mm -hmm. And so that train is not going to move forward unless it has rails to go on. And so discipline is actually setting those things up so that you can move forward in that calling that God has given you. And some things just don't make the cut. Um, And maybe they sounded really good as you were setting them up. Uh, but as you get into what your actual calling is, you start evaluating things as what God has called you to do. You start removing the things that actually become hindrances to Mm -hmm. you moving forward. Um, they become stuff, right? And, um, and I'm using stuff as, as in a negative term, it is just all of that fat and and stuff that just gets in the way. It's weighty and, and you become so... I think that for a lot of us girls, anyway, we become so pulled in different directions because we have priorities that are over here and over here and over here and over yeah. here. And, and we we just really struggle to have the discipline to keep those in order. Yeah. And so uh, not too long ago, I was reading the story of the Exodus and the story of the Exodus. And we're talking about uh, the Israelites going from Egypt to the promised land and Moses was their leader and God called them out of Egypt where they had spent 400 years and Jacob, Israel, you know, went there during a famine. Um, And so they became slaves while they were there. And so the story of the Exodus uh, to me Mm -hmm. is actually a story of going from slavery to freedom. And so freedom was represented in Canaan. And so you look at uh, God calling Moses through a burning bush, giving him a calling, saying, hey, go down to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they can serve me. Uh, The Bible actually uses the term that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, which when you look at the heart back during the time that that was written, the heart was the seed of wisdom. Hmm. And so in a sense... The way you can look at that is that God made Pharaoh stupid. Yeah, and that's what foolish. sin does, right? It is, he made him stupid. And he, um, which is the reason why Pharaoh opened himself up to all the plagues, because there was warning. I mean, by the time you got to the later plagues, you know, know what is Pharaoh thinking? Yeah. Um, and so uh, the story of the Exodus is the story of going from slavery, which the Israelites were in slavery, and it got worse actually mm-hmm. during the plagues. And then they came out of that and they go to the edge of the Red Sea and they start yelling and screaming at Moses saying, why did you bring us out here to die? And they are on the edge of the sea. They have the uh, army of Pharaoh that is coming after them. They're scared to death. They think they're dead. And um, Moses tells them to come near him because to see the salvation of the Lord. And that is the point where the Red Sea um, splits and the Israelites go across and Pharaoh's army tries to follow them and they are drowned in the Red Sea. So that's that's the summary of the story. Mm -hmm. But it continues, right, because they go and they wander in the wilderness. They go over, you know, to Mount Sinai. And so part of this process of the Israelites, which were slaves, God is teaching them how to be free. And so the first thing that he does is that he tells them to come to him at Mount Sinai. And what does he do? He gives them the Ten Commandments. And again, all along this process, you are struck with the selfishness, 
the self-centeredness of the Israelites. Yeah, it was actually, when you first started talking about this a while ago, um, and you, you really drew my attention to the fact that we were dealing with slaves and really focusing in on that slavery mindset, that yeah. slavery, uh, you know, they had, they had always been enslaved. Nobody, with the exception of Moses, yeah. had escaped slavery for their entire lives because the Israelites had been there for 400 years at that point. Yeah. So no one alive had, had ever lived in freedom. And so when you kind of wrap your head around that slavery mindset that they had, it really does open up an awful lot of what God tells them through the commandments and through that time with Moses. And and I thought it was really, really so, I mean, helpful when, for when, me. When they, um, uh, so when they're at Mount Sinai, right, they fall right into the idolatry. Moses goes up the mountain and he's gone longer than they expect for him to be mm-hmm. gone. And they fall right back into idolatry. Yeah. And idolatry is slavery. And so you're a slave. You do what slaves do. And I mean, our heart is a factory for it idols. Makes them all the time. I was actually and, praying about that this morning and, as I was reading in Psalms. And we make idols out of anything and everything. Yep. And even though our idols, they don't fit in our pocket anymore. Yeah, we right? generally don't bow down to them. Uh, we're we're yes. not carving things out of wood. We create idols out of all kinds of stuff. And some of the things that we're making idols out of are actually things that are good. Right. Right. Absolutely. All the gold that the Israelites used to create the calf, they were get. I mean, God actually provided that for them right. through the Israel, through the Egyptians. Right. Right. And so, you know, again, when you look at this story of them going from slavery to freedom, um, God has already told them what they're going to do. They're going to go to the land of Canaan. Uh, they're going to drive those people out. Um, and he doesn't say, Hey, let's go and start creating weapons. He doesn't, uh, when they create the calf, they use the gold to create the calf. He doesn't say, Hey, let's go and let's go get more gold. I, I found that really fascinating because you noted when we were talking the other day, you noted how uh, when when Moses came down and he broke the Ten Commandments that he had been given because he was he was so upset, so angry, so frustrated with them. Yeah. Um. That that God replaced those commandments, but He never replaced the gold. That's right. Um. And and I found that again so simple, and yet it the gold that He had given them, which was you know, supposed to, I guess, get it was them a started. Yeah, for sure. Get them started in this new land. They learned real quick that, you know, they, they didn't need it once they, once they did something with it, they weren't supposed not to. Not only did God they, didn't give it back to God them. did not replace it. Uh, they, uh, uh, clearly they put a lot more, uh, value in it than what God did. And, uh, so, so there's a word, that I've used, I think there's a blog actually on the website, and I've used it a lot in some of my te- teaching at Teach Them Diligently. But I wanted to return back to that because there's a word that is only used in Exodus 32 that talks about what God actually did. And it's interesting that the chapter that God uses this word mm-hmm. is the chapter where Moses is going back down the mountain because they have created this calf and God has said, Hey, you need to go back down the mountain. What's happening there is that God actually describes to us, the reader, 
what Moses is carrying, the process of going down. Josh says, hey, there's a sound coming out of the camp. It sounds like war. And then it says that Moses is carrying these tablets. And these tablets, he engraved the Ten Commandments or the Word of God, the Law of God, on these tablets. And Moses was carrying these t tablets. Now, when you're climbing down a mountain, I mean, I've, I do a decent amount of hiking. And you think about what these, I mean, these were not small. He's carrying these tablets. So it must have been kind of a weight. So it was important for him to carry this down the mountain. And these words of God, the law of God, it represented, Moses knew what they represented. Not only did it represent the covenant, but it, it represented the freedom, their pathway into freedom, to be in their own people, a people unto God. That's what these these, these, the, the law, that's what it represented. Paul, I mean, Paul, uh, Moses comes down and he sees what the Israelites have done and he breaks the tablet. It, when, again, when God describes what is on that tablet, he says it was engraved. And that word that he uses for engraved is sharut. And it's C-H-A-R-U-T. And there has the same root as what freedom does, which is C-H-E-R-U-T. And the implication there, because roots are really important in Hebrew, it's basically saying that they're related, is saying that what God engraved on these tablets represented freedom. And um, later on in Jeremiah, it says that these words of the law, he's going to engrave on their hearts. And then you have a return back to what God did with those tablets in the New Testament when it starts relating the law to Jesus Christ. And so what the verses are because actually saying... Because the law was meant to lead us to That's Christ. right. That's exactly right. And what uh, is the implication there is that this law is freedom and you need order. And the way we think about freedom today and as a culture, as a culture yes. mm -hmm. is that it's absent of rules. Right. Right. It's we are trying in every way possible to throw off the order that God has given us. Mm -hmm. Everything from gender to the way the home runs, to the way the church runs, to the way government is supposed to actually operate, the way the economy is supposed to. I mean, everything that we are trying to do, we're trying to throw off order where God actually provides order and the order gives us freedom mm -hmm. because the real freedom is only in Jesus Christ and it's only in serving God. Right, right. right? And so the implication there is you return, you continue on, the rabbis in tradition actually would say that you should not bind yourself to anything that doesn't give freedom later on. And that is a true spirit of Sharut. Hmm. And there is another root that actually goes with um, uh, Sharut, and that is R-U-T, which is the name that Ruth went by, which means friend and it means loyalty. Hmm. And that actually returns me back to where Jesus Christ talks about us being his friends hmm. and John 15. So, so kind of backing up there, you, you noted almost in passing, and I'm, I don't want you to do that that you aren't to bind yourself to anything that doesn't give you freedom. And just to make sure that we are being 
clear in what we're saying that the because that is that is a statement or a, like a tradition by the rabbis right yes. so this is like a jewish tradition this is a bible the bible doesn't say don't bind yourself to anything that's not you know hezekiah 4 7 or anything no um it's right in there with cleanliness it's next to godliness um but but don't bind yourself to anything that doesn't give you freedom is really kind of the crux of where we were trying to go today and what we wanted to to really impress as we are all looking at our our year, as we are all looking at how, you know, as a culture that has thrown off all of these constraints and is trying to move away from the, the freedom that is truly found in serving a God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, um, that, that so often we are binding ourselves to expectations or to other things to to ways of doing things that are that are like the opposite of giving us freedom. Yes. And we add stuff to what God has already told us to do. You yes. know, I mean, you go through, you get you, again, you, you're going through Jewish tradition on this and you're going through Jewish history and you continue on with the Jewish history and you end up in these rules that they actually add to right. the Ten hundreds Commandments. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You know, of about how far you can go with your animals on the Sabbath and whether or not, you know, they, they were throwing this stuff up at Jesus right. Christ when he was healing people on the Sabbath. All that is tradition. And that would not fall into this category, this legalist type stuff that just actually becomes a weight right. on you and doesn't provide freedom in any way. Yeah. Is is actually the react. I mean, you should not be doing that. Exactly. Right. And so um, when we look at our year is that it, it, when we look at our year and we look at what is upcoming in this next year and what we want to do and what we want to try to achieve. And you think about the calling that you have and that you believe that God has called you to raise these kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to bring them to Jesus Christ. You got to start thinking about in terms of God is going to give you freedom through fulfilling that calling. You're going to have joy and you're going to have peace and you're going to have excitement and fulfilling that calling. Yeah. And the more you move forward in that calling and the more you're on that road, there is going to be a sense of fulfillment. The further you come off that road, there's going to be a weight. There's going to be oppression. You're going to start thinking about how you're a slave. I mean, when you come off of a holiday and you have to go back to work or you have an early morning class, it's like drudgery. Oh, you know, and that's kind of what I'm saying is, is that that is not in this tradition at all is that if you feel like that every single day and you feel like you just have a weight constantly you're not being um uh, uh you're not holding to this idea you're not you're not setting up your life in freedom one of the things that you said um again that i just kind of wanted to double back on is you noted the the legalism that pops up and that can be so controlling and for for many families out there legalism is a huge buzzword um, there's been a massive reaction against it within the church and, and rightfully so, because when we are focusing on rules and regulations and not letting Christ be lifted up so that he may bring all men to him, there is a definite problem. And so, but, but what I think that we fail to recognize is that we tend to get so unbelievably legalistic with 
so many things that we do, including and sometimes especially with our homeschool endeavors, yeah. with um, with the way that we think that things should look or the way that we want our children to look to other people and this, that, and the other. And, and again, your focus is fundamentally on the wrong thing in those cases. So instead of doing things that are moving you forward, like you noted at the beginning with discipline, moving forward in the call that God has given you, you're then tacking on all of these things that instead of move you forward, they're actually giving you more and more things to think about. So instead of having those two rails that you noted in the beginning, now all of a sudden you're swiping at all of this, these peripheral things that you, you're thinking about because you've put them in place and you become very legalistic with them. When actually your call as a parent is to teach your children diligently, is to bring them to Jesus, yeah. is to prepare them for whatever God has in store for them. And that's a pretty straight path. Yes. And a lot of things fall very nicely on that path when you are looking and you are disciplined in your mind enough to just focus on those things. So as you are doing a math lesson and there is a, a heart issue or a meltdown, you you deal with and math always gets a bad rap in this. It's always where I go. <laughs> but but to take the detour and deal with the heart issue there, lovingly bring your child back in, encourage their heart that they can do this, that is right on your path. Even if it throws your planner and your your plan for the day off. That's right. That planner, that plan for the day is not the director of your path. Your mission is the director of your path. And so when you allow all of these peripheral things to be tacked on, it becomes confusing. It becomes difficult. It becomes drudgery, like mm -hmm. you were talking about. You throw off all of the freedom that God has given you to pursue him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to bring others along with you. Go and make disciples. Bring them with you. You throw all of that off, and instead you're focused on all of these things that are peripheral and don't even matter in the long run. Yes, and I, I think that in terms of application, you can apply this in things such as, you know, box curriculum, right? You buy the entire set of box curriculum, and you get stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff, and you start some of that is not going to help you. And you need to actually, with wisdom, you need to go through and you need to say, okay, I don't need to go through that. You don't need to go through every single element of that curriculum in order to achieve what the goal, the ultimate goal is. And you have that in bigger things as well. Well, and on the other side of that, we live in a culture uh, right now where pictures and reels and beautiful things seem very, very attractive. Um, and I know so many moms who are truly enslaved to trying to be something that they're not, yeah. but someone on Instagram is, or at least is portraying to be. So not only can you get focused on things that are far too rigid, but you can also try to take a detour into something that you love the concept of. It gives, it looks so freeing and so wonderful, but that's not your reality and that's not your call. And you can be just as enslaved to an idea that is that it, it it's more, I guess, for lack of a better word, more aesthetic than perhaps a box curriculum is. But it's not for you either. And so you that's why it's so very, very important to have the discipline of knowing your call, your God's vision for your family and following that freely and enjoy it. 
And you can add in other things that are kind of fluff on the side, but really, really, truly focus on just what God has called you to do and subtract out all of those things yeah. that have been detours for you or, or caused you to be enslaved to them. So, I mean, when you look at the teach them diligently verses in Deuteronomy and um, God there gives what the call of parents is, he tells uh, the Israelites uh, that you need to put the word of the law uh, before their eyes, mm -hmm. you know, the front ones of their eyes, you need to put it on your doorpost. You yep. need to put it in front of you. I mean, it really gets to this level of it's how you live and how you live needs to translate and migrate and kind of go down into your kids and the way they live and they end up living the way you lived. Yeah. And so what you need to think about as you live your day on a day to day basis and the way you interact with your kids is how is this going to fulfill the calling that God has given you? And the calling that God has given everybody is to bring their children to Jesus Christ. I mean, we are not called to save our kids, um, but we are called to bring our kids to Jesus Christ. Present them. And by you know bringing your kids to Jesus Christ, that can mean a lot of different things throughout your day. And that is a real simple way to think about what your big why and what your goal is yeah. and the calling that God has given you. And you need to really start subtracting everything out from that. And it's going to take order in order to fulfill that calling because you need discipline. You need to be able to have things in your life that helps you move forward in that calling that you have. And we had a rule in our church, I mean, in our, in our house that we would always be at church on Sunday morning. And the reason why we set that as a rule is because it seems like everything in your life conspires against you actually being at church. And that was a rule, a sense of order that we had in our home. And we held to that. And it didn't become, you know, an idol. It didn't become something that we we worship, but it was something that we held to. Well, we it wasn't bound, real. It we bound of... ourselves to that because it gave ourselves, you know, uh, the ability to be able to fulfill our calling. And our kids were sick. They were now again. They didn't go when they were sick. They didn't go when they were sick, but they did. There was. They always always felt like. Things happen on Sunday morning. Well, it's hard to get out of bed and all of these distractions that come along. They all know. And you got to have, <laughs> you got to have these rules and you got to have these standards and you got to have these things that you hold on to. Right. Right. In order to fulfill the calling that God has given you. And so what are those things that you're going to hold on to? And it's the things that give you freedom somewhere else. Right. 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 And so we should just go through and really prayerfully with your spouse, start taking wax at those things that don't. Let's start cutting them out. It is so unbelievably freeing to get rid of weights that are tying us down because that allows us to joyfully only focus on the things that are leading to freedom. And so I, I, I think that is really the takeaway of today yeah. is prayerfully with, with your spouse Really look at the things. Look at your mission. What things are you incorporating in your day that are keeping you from doing that? What things are a distraction? What things, big picture, are you trying to, to do because you think it's expected of you, but it's not your call? 
learn to say no. All of these things kind of factor into that discipline of staying on the rails, staying on the course that God has for your family and actually pursuing that wholeheartedly. And your children will benefit greatly if you do. Yes. And I think subtraction is always needed. It's just a part of life. You have to start removing things out of your life because just the way life goes, it gets crowded. Yep, it does. And you have to start pulling things out. And so the question here is, what do you start pulling out? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we hope this has been an encouragement. Hope it's given you a lot to think about. Um, be sure that you check out the article that was in our Sunday night email. It also appeared on the blog yesterday, so you can find it on the Teach Them Diligently blog. Uh, it's going to go deeper, kind of give you a little bit of a different insight into this issue. But all in all, we pray that you will take the time this week to truly get with your spouse, get with those that you that you love, and let's really pursue what God has called us to to do and start making the effort to cut out the things that are weighing us down and not leading us to freedom and to success within our families and our homes. So thank you guys for joining us and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.